God's Word that we'll take a moment and consider this morning comes from John chapter 9. If you've got one of these white Bibles in your pew there and you want to follow along, uh, that is on page 869 for us, 869. Or you can pull out your own Bible, whether that's print or electronic, and uh, just follow along this morning as we take a look at God's Word. Let's begin with a word of of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've gathered us this morning to hear your word, even in the middle of uh, what seems to be something of a health crisis here in America. We pray that you would use your word this morning to calm us and to to still our fears and our doubts and our worries and our concerns. Let us lift our hearts and our souls before you, that we might find peace and then be people of peace for the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I, I am a slow learner. Um, those of you who know me know that. <laughs> I, I'm a pretty slow learner. It's taken me a good 10-ish years of my married life to learn uh, to see my, my wife with more spiritual eyes. Uh, what I mean is I, I have a tendency as a person who sees opportunities for improvement and fixing things and making things better, and I get kind of excited about that stuff. You know, I can walk in the house or, or just be walking around the house sometime and say, oh, man, look at this. This, this desk is covered in paperwork, right? Man, we got to get our finances straightened out here. I know we're super busy with the kids and planning vacation and all these other things, but we got to get this stuff done. We got Our finances are just a disaster, right? And, and to me, that's like, oh, yeah, we got to get this done, and I'm kind of excited about, you know, getting to the next task. I'm overwhelmed by too many other things, but it's okay. But my, my wife can very much take that as, hey, this is my domain, right? Finances might be your thing, but the house is my thing, and everything in the house is my thing. And, and when, when you say things like that, I have a lot of feelings. That makes me feel a lot of things. And, and like I feel, for example, maybe a little bit of, of shame. And I bet a lot of you have been in that spot before, uh, where, where your spouse or somebody else says something uh, to that effect, and you say, man, that just makes me feel like I can never be good enough. Um, and, and then finally, after 10 years, I'm starting to see that, you know, I'm a really slow learner. 10 years, right? Now, I know that I'm not the only one, though, who fails to have such spiritual sight. By the way, I did tell my wife I was going to use an example like that. Um, So I'm not the only one who lacks such spiritual sight. Uh, One of the times that really sticks out to me is a man named Pete Scazzaro, who's a a pretty well-known pastor now, but what really woke him up to the need that he had to grow in his spiritual sight is he was he was sitting at a dinner one time and uh, trying to entertain some people at his house. He was really trying to be a, just focus on being a good pastor. And the guy that was there to have dinner with him was one of those guys who never stops talking. I don't know if you have any people like that in your life that just go blah, 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 and you try to say thank you, yes, and, and, and move on. And the guy, you know, he just sat there for like a half-hour dinner and just wouldn't stop talking. His wife even tried, you know, just, you could tell she was used to this. She just said, yeah. Right, like that, um, and, and, and he didn't, you know, it, and it, at a part of the dinner, then Pete's wife starts saying, I wonder where our daughter is, because, you know, she tuned this out way long ago, they had like a four-year-old daughter, um, and, and Pete says, okay, well, I better focus on being a, you know, a good pastor, being here, um, he wasn't really that focused on the guy, because by this point, he had just decided the guy was a jerk, but he was like, I better not look bad, I can't look rude, cut this guy off, I, I better be a good pastor, you know, and, and listen, and so he just listens, and he listens, and listens, and listens, and eventually his wife says, 
think we better go check on our daughter. I haven't seen her in a long time now. And, and he goes out back, and it, they run around the house, goes out back. They've got a pool in the backyard, a tiny little pool in their New York City house. And, um, and his daughter is in the shallow end of the pool, uh, standing there like this on her tiptoes with just that much of her mouth out of the water. And they have no idea how long she's, she's been there. Uh, they have no idea how long you know, any of that has been going on. Um, and it, you know, he's blown away by the fact that he could have lost his daughter because, not because he was so focused on his guest, because he had long decided that his guest was just a, a, a jerk, really, uh, but because he was so focused on trying to be a good pastor, uh, on living out that identity that he had, that he had completely lost any sense of spiritual sight. He admits in, in aftermath, he says, if I, had, if I had been healthy at that moment, I would have looked at the guy and said, you're just rude. I'm sorry, I need to walk away and we need to change this conversation. Uh, and he would have said, I'm sorry, but you're, you're, you're not caring about me at all. Um, but he didn't. He, he, was, he was so missing any sense of spiritual sight. Now, we don't all stink that badly at seeing things spiritually and accurately. Um, I've, I'm, I'm glad that after 10 years, I'm finally you know, gaining a little bit of it because I, I listen to, say, maybe one spouse in a couple, uh, and, and this couple has gotten, you know, the spouse has been in a relationship before, the relationship went badly. Now they're in another relationship. She, he or she is in another relationship. That relationship is going the same way the first relationship is. And, you know, I, I've grown enough that I can see the person and look at them and say, yeah, I can see that you're feeling a lot of shame. Right? You feel like you're so stupid to make the same mistake twice. You think, you know, how could I be so dumb to mess up one relationship and then mess up the, the next relationship in the exact same way? And I can see you I say, I, I see you're feeling a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. Uh, you know, you are not a bad person. God forgives you and loves you, uh, and I can assure the person of all of that acceptance in Jesus. You know, so we, we can gain spiritual sight. And I bet there's a lot of you, in fact, I think there are a lot of you, who have more spiritual sight already than I do, because it's not just a skill. Jesus shows us today that spiritual sight is a supernatural gift. It is a gift from God to see your own soul and to see other people's souls. And that's an awesome gift. You know, right now, everybody is talking about peeps. That's the big thing, right? You go into Meyer and Walmart, stacks of peeps, and everybody's talking about peeps. I'm just kidding. Nobody's talking about peeps. I am in seventh heaven because nobody cares about peeps, and so I can go to Walmart and buy as many as I want. It's great. Right? Nobody else cares about peeps. But no, nobody, everybody is, is talking about you know, the virus, and it is, it's the, a chance, it's a time better than ever. When we need to see our own souls and the effect that we have on the people around us, we need to see that. And so God today is calling you and is inviting you to say, get some spiritual sight. Can you really have spiritual sight? And so let's take a quick look at this from John chapter 9. We'll try to take a look at God's word here 
and hear what he has to say. So Jesus is with his disciples, right? And they meet this man born blind, and the disciples ask a very astute, a very wise question. They say, who sinned, this man or his father or his parents, depending on which way you want to look at it? Um, It's a a very good question, isn't it? It's a question that a lot of us will ask at various times. Did I mess up big time? Did I make a mistake? Am I, am I broken? Am I, am I in trouble? Or what about this guy? Maybe, maybe my parents sinned against me. Maybe I sinned against my parents. Right? Or, or we, we say, are we okay? Right? We check our relationships with somebody else and say, are we okay? Did I wrong you? Did you wrong me? Did I hurt you? Have you hurt me? You know, we, we do those things. We do that relationship checkup. So the, the disciples are doing a very good thing here. But look at what Jesus says back to them. Jesus says back to them, neither this man sinned nor his parents, right? but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, this absolutely blows me away when I read this, because I, I think to myself, you know, here we are, you and I, we live in what the 21st century is normally called a closed box universe. Remember me talking about a, a closed box universe before? So we live in a world where this is how the conversation about something like coronavirus goes. You know, this week, lots of conversations about that. I think I've only had one person say to me, you know, is God trying to punish us with this? What's God doing with this, with this coronavirus? Why, why, is this, why, why is God letting this happen? Doesn't, doesn't God care about us? And, and, and I've only had a few people say, you know, this is a great time to, to trust in the Lord. This is a, a good example of an opportunity where we can, we can show trust in God, where God is our deliverance and our salvation. That's, there's only a few people saying that. And you might say to me, well, of course that's the case, Pastor. That's because we need to deal with the physical stuff. I mean, we need to sanitize. We need to wash our hands. We need to f- figure out the fact that there's 3,000 people that are already sick and it's spreading fast. But you know what? That's, that's the point is because we live in a universe where it's become the norm and the standard to cut God out of conversations. We live in a world where it's, it's expected that we will only talk about the physical things. We don't talk about a spiritual being that's part of everyday life. That's what it means to live in a closed box universe. And you know what? I expect that from you and from I, from people who live in the 21st century. I don't expect that from people who lived at the time of these Jewish disciples. And yet, did you see, they live in the same world that we do, a world where, where they don't think about God. They didn't ask Jesus, why is God punishing this guy? They didn't say that. They didn't say, you know, what's God up to here? They didn't ask, what do you think God's doing with this guy? They didn't say, Man, this is a great opportunity for God to, to be this, this man's salvation and deliverance. They didn't say, this is a great opportunity for this guy to trust God. They said, who sinned? This man and his parents. They were, they were focused on the guy. That's all they saw. What an insane thing, huh? 
whether it's the 21st century or the 1st century, one thing we learn right away is that nobody sees spiritually naturally. Or to put it another way, no one naturally sees spiritually. Right? You and I, don't we all know this blindness at times? Haven't every one of us gone through some spot in our life where we, we look back and we say, wow, what was I doing there? I mean, I had all the information, but I made all the wrong choices. Didn't I, didn't I make a bunch of big mistakes in my life? And you know what that is? That's spiritual blindness. That's spiritual blindness. That's where we just walk ourselves right off a cliff. Martin Luther, he had a really nice, uh, helpful definition this way. He said, Martin, spiritual blindness is believing that we are free, unhappy, unfettered, able, well, and alive when we are not. You see what he's, you see what he's saying there, what, he, what he, he's pointing out to us? He's saying, if you go through life and you think you can make choices about yourself, free choices about who you are and who you're going to become, and you don't think that those things are going to affect the other people around me, around you, you're spiritually blind. Or if you think that you are alive, that you've found what it really means to have life and you're discovering life and you're living life to the fullest and all of these good things, you can't. You're spiritually blind. Uh, you know, if you think that happiness is something that you can achieve on your own through your own work and effort, man, you're, you're spiritually blind. No one naturally, whether it's, it's the 21st century or, or the 1st century, has that kind of sight. Now, the, these disciples might have been a little step ahead of us. I, I admit that. Because I've heard a lot of people, you know, when we talk about coronavirus, we're mostly talked about, talking about ourselves. You know, we're mostly worried about, well, I, you know, I'll be okay. I don't know about everybody else, but I'll be okay. Or, well, it won't hurt anybody else, but at least I can stay home and, and stay safe. You know, and at least the disciples say, who sinned, this man or his parents? They think about the other people a little bit. But nobody naturally sees spiritually. So how can we gain some real spiritual sight here? That's the, that's the invitation, isn't it, from Jesus? Once we know that we have this real issue that we don't see spiritually, how do we gain real spiritual sight? It's, it's really, we could say a whole bunch of things about gaining spiritual sight. Uh, it's an important thing. And first, for example, one part in the Bible would tell us that spiritual sight only comes in a community. It only comes with a, you know, a group of believers. You're never going to gain spiritual sight if you don't let other people speak about your life. Uh, another thing that the Bible would tell us at certain points is that spiritual sight comes in stages. And it comes in steps. Uh, and we get that a little bit today. Uh, another thing the Bible would say at a, a spot is that spiritual sight comes because Jesus took all of the darkness of the world on himself. He let the, the darkness of the world engulf him and overwhelm him. He, they, he let the, the light of the world go out. And so he passed on that light to us so that we can have it. If, if he hadn't let the, dar the darkness overcome him, there would be no light for us. But today, what he wants to show us is that, really, spiritual sight for you and for me comes from 
experience with him. One of the things that has to happen for spiritual sight is we have to have experience. And the first part of that experience has to be physical, right? So when Jesus and the disciples come across this man and they ask him, who sinned this man or his parents? Well, the disciples, well, Jesus says this. He says, so Jesus spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. So one part of getting spiritual sight is you have to have a physical, tactile experience. There has to be a time in your life where you trust God's word and you experience some physical change. I think you ask anybody who has gained real spiritual insight, and they would, they would point out to you that, hey, you know, whether it's money, or career, or family, or fame, there came times in life where you had to make a choice between those things and the things of God. And gaining spiritual sight meant, hey, those things get put to a different place. We see more clearly where we stand in relation to that physical stuff. Right? That's part of it. Jesus says here, you know, if you haven't gained spiritual sight yet, wash that away. What is it? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it career? Wash that thing away. Experience forgiveness so that you can really gain spiritual sight. And then Jesus goes on with the second part of, of, forget, of this experience. He says, not only does it mean that forget, you get forgiveness for the physical things, but it also means that you get seen. You get seen. Did you see this at the end of the section? What did Jesus tell the man brought him real spiritual sight? He says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. What an awesome thing. What brought the man real spiritual sight? It was that Jesus was looking at him. It was Jesus was standing right there with him and talking to him. And you will see too when Jesus sees you. When Jesus is, is looking right at you and you know it and you sense it when you're looking at his word and you say, man, he is really paying attention to me right now. Your eyes are going to open up. I think Helen Keller, it really is a pretty good example of this. You probably know a bunch of the story of, of Helen Keller, but you probably don't know the more spiritual side of her story. Helen Keller was born in Alabama, and she was sick from not even two years old. Uh, she was completely blind and deaf, and that was the way she was for, for her whole life. Um, the first six years of her life, she had no ability to communicate at all. And she says, it was a scary time, she says, I had no concepts, whatever, of nature or mind or death. I literally thought with my body. I was like an unconscious piece of dirt. There was nothing in me except the instinct to eat and drink and sleep. My days were a blank without past or present or future without interest or joy. What a life, huh? That was probably really sad. 
Then, then Keller met this man named Ann Sullivan, or this woman, excuse me, named Ann Sullivan, and, and you probably heard a little bit of Ann Sullivan's stories where she, she spent time day after day after day teaching Keller specific words, but nothing was sticking until, until one day she went out and she put Keller's hand on a pump. She pumped water, and, and the water was coming out and rushing all over her hands, and while she was pumping that water on her hands, Sullivan spelled out the word water over and over and, and over. And Keller, Keller says about that, she spelled that word water emphatically. And I stood still, my whole body's attention fixed on the motions of her fingers as the water flowed over my hand, and there was this strange stir all at once within me, a misty consciousness, a sense of something remembered. It was as if I had come back to life after being dead. Now I see it was my mental awakening. What a, what a cool thing, right? So there's the first step in her, her sight. She, gets, she experiences a, a major physical shift in her life, and she gains a small amount of sight. But that wasn't the whole thing, right? That was just step one. And she goes on and, and, and says that about eight years after that, she went on to school, kind of a mix of high school and, and college at that point. And there was a teacher at school named John Hitz, who gave her a book uh, called Heaven and Hell that she was starting to read, and, and she re- writes about reading that book. She says, love and wisdom, two words, love and wisdom, caressed my fingers from paragraph to paragraph, and these two words released in me new forces to stimulate my somewhat indolent nature and urge me forward evermore. I was not religious, but I was happy because I saw God as altogether lovely. The word of God became at once the joy and good of my life. I do not know whether I adopted the faith or the faith adopted me. I can only say that the heart of a young girl sitting with a big book of letters was thrilled by a radiance and inexpressibly endearing voice. Isn't that what happens? Isn't that how you and I gain spiritual sight? It's, it's when the voice of the one who has loved us, since the world began, fills you with the radiance. His light pours down on you. And you at once know in that instant that you are loved, you are forgiven. You are accepted. You are chosen amongst all of the creatures of the world. You are the the most precious thing that he would ever want to choose. And that gospel says to you that there is nothing that you can ever do. There is no sin that you could commit. There is no anger that can enter your heart. There was no evil that you could ever dream of that would steal you, rob you of that voice. The most endearing and radiant voice. You gain spiritual sight when you're seen by him. And that's amazing. You know, friends, we've got a a pretty neat but scary opportunity over these next few days. Um to show our true colors. Right? One of the things that definitely happens when you go through 
struggles and tough times like this is you see a community's true colors. What do we really care about? Obviously, we really care about TP. That is very important to us. Um, but you know what? You and I, we are going to see everything that happens differently when you've been seen. When you have experienced the radiant voice and light of Jesus, you're going to see this life differently. And so let's experience that voice. Let's experience that light. Let's get seen. And you will see these things all so very differently. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the darkness that overwhelms us in our hearts and our souls and our lives, it is so dark. It is so black. It usually keeps us from seeing life the way it actually is. But your light is beautiful and glorious, and it promises to let us see life differently. Open up our eyes as you see us, so we can see you and your amazing lights. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's join together and confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. Would you please stand and confess with me?